Welcome to Moonbeams and Daydreams. I'm your host, Scylla, and this is literally just a destructible audio journal. There are episodes missing 95% of the time, there are random conversations, and just senseless thoughts. Some less of a podcast and more of a stream of consciousness. You're welcome. The last time I did an episode, I talked at length about how excited I am about my other podcasts and what I've been up to with it, and it it has a solid 15 downloads across the board. I have about four or five regular listeners right now, and I'm very proud of that. Um... But there has been things going on in the background that are not so background anymore. Basically, back in February, as many people are aware of, Ahmad was a jogger in Georgia who was murdered. And it was very disturbing watching it. Not just watching it, but like seeing the men responsible not arrested immediately. And then the police raided and killed Brianna Taylor. And that was also incredibly devastating. And seeing her boyfriend locked up for it, even though it was the cops who did it, that was also very devastating. And then, of course... Nina Pop happened, Tony McDade, and now George Floyd. And every single one of these deaths have been, they've been hard to hear about, they've been hard to see the lack of justice for the community and for their families. And so after George Floyd's murder, Obviously, there's been this outcry across the nation. And having lived through much of the 2000s, all the 2000s so far, I recall 2012. I recall what was happening. I remember going to the protests. So this time around... And let me tell you, when that cop was not fucking convicted for Mike Brown's murder, like, that that devastated me on levels. So, as soon as the call went out for George Floyd, like, immediately I knew there are a multitude of roles that you can play. When it comes to protests, you don't physically have to be there to help them. Just like if you do physically go there, there are plenty of things that you could be doing. Aside from just chanting. Like, if there is violence, if there are, for example, here in Orlando, the cops, um, two hours before, two hours before 
the actual curfew, they put up blockades to trap people into the square. Or whichever the heavier density population is at in the march in the past few days. So like if you're in that situation, come prepared, come with gas masks, come with the proper attire to combat tear gas and things like that. But also trust your body because if you're not prepared to run, if you're not prepared to find a way to get out of a dangerous, a physically dangerous situation, it can quickly become very, very dangerous for you. So having experience and all that, I I had to really reconsider what my role this time was going to be and how I could occupy a different one. So what I chose to do so far, I mean, this could change. It is only the 3rd of May that I'm recording this, is I have taken to Facebook and Twitter and uh, I, I have been very vocal, but also more specifically, I've been passing around resources and a situation in Chicago came to my attention this 19-year-old boy was arrested. I have it on camera. He was arrested from the Chicago protest, and suddenly he's missing, which is absolutely frightening because Chicago has these well-known, well-documented since like 2016 black op sites. So his name is Justin Crosby or Cosby. And ever since he got detained, nobody's heard from him. It, at 19 years old, I would expect him to at least gone home. That is what I would have done. That is something that I would expect. But also, minimally, like say he didn't go home after release, I would expect him to reach out to someone. But he hasn't, so um, I've been lending my efforts to that, calling precincts, inquiring about his whereabouts, and, um, and pretty much putting my customer service voice to use. And it, it's been the biggest runaround of my life. It is exhausting. And shout out to the people who sit there and argue with the cops because they don't listen for nothing. They do not want to answer questions. They do not want to... They, they don't want to take any responsibility for whatever they are hiding. And that's scary. Across the board. But that's what I've been up to. Other than that, I have a friend in Denver that... Um, She's locked her account for safety reasons, but uh, whenever she posts different resources, I go onto those resources and I independently share them. That way they still get around and get to where they need to be. Otherwise, I have been 
kind of helping my friends who are newer to protest and newer to what it's like. A lot of people don't realize that when you go into a peaceful protest, typically, traditionally, you would do a training first. And the reason you do that is because, as many people are slowly becoming aware, nonviolent protests are not the absence of violence. There's always an expectation that police will not remain nonviolent. And that is because, say, you have a perfect protest in which the cops are being respectful of your rights, they're refusing to carry out any type of violation to your right to assemble, any type of order to do that, then that's perfect. But, especially if you're a group organizer, you have to consider the fact that what if one cop doesn't? It's better to go into these situations prepared than for shit to hit the fan and you not have the skills, capabilities, or proper attire for it. So one of the big things I've been recommending to a lot of my friends is like, first off, mind you, we are in Florida, it gets hot and I get that, It's but it's like head to toe. If there's any chemical like mace or um, or tear gas specifically, that can be an irritant to your skin. You want to be as covered as you possibly can. Just like if you wear gloves, make sure they're thick. Uh, better yet, if you go get yourself a nice fit mitten, like um, a glove, uh, oven mitten, and you're feeling brave, you can always throw tear gas right back at the cops. Like I said, you don't have to, but it's something that if you're feeling brave, you can do. Just like you can always punt it back to them, which is why, like, I've learned that kitchen-safe shoes that are, like, leather or a material where water slips off of it, those are perfect for kicking them perfect. Um, The other thing I've suggested, like right now I get everybody's wearing masks because of COVID, but in general masks are a really big part of protests because you run the risk of being gassed or maced and it protects. Just like you should have eyewear. And honestly, I think eyewear is one of the things people underutilize And I'm sure you're going to see a lot of stories. I can already think of off the top of my head, there was a journalist that has lost an eye covering the story of what's going on. And that's why we wear eyewear. But also, um, eyewear is helpful because if you get a face full of mace between a mask and eyewear, you're going to minimize that damage. But if you are a crafty and smart person that wants to go into this as prepared as you can, my recommendation would be 
get one of those dollar store water squirtzer thingies. And I know a lot of people have been using milk, but there's actually, off the top of my head, I can't remember what it is, but there's actually a formula with water that you can make and you can put a couple of those bottles in your bag. That way, should the tear gas come out, you can start helping people who've been maced or tear gassed. It's more for mace than tear gas, to be entirely honest. Tear gas is just, it's a biohazard. It's considered chemical warfare. You really don't want to be near it, which is why, like I said, if you're brave, go ahead and do it. If you don't feel you have the strength for it, don't. But like, if the only reason you haven't done it is because you're unsure to like throw it back at in any direction where people aren't, um, just know it is a chemical warfare item. Feel free to do something about it. On that note, um, the other thing I suggested to one of them, because I have a friend in Texas who thinks he wants to be out beyond his city's curfew, and I'm like, if you're gonna do that, my personal recommendation is wear a shirt underneath your um, the, your long sleeve and on that shirt, or if you want to do it on the long sleeve, you could do that too, but um, my recommendation is just like a tank top or something. Find a thin permanent marker. It, like, it has to be thin though. And write all your numbers, right? What to do, like, if you're in a cell, this is what you're gonna need to know. These are the phone numbers. Write it on that tank top underneath. That way you have it accessible once you're in a cell. On that note, I normally don't bring, like, if you can avoid bringing your phone, do it. I, I do, just because that's my lifeline. It's always been my lifeline, especially when I was homeless. So I can't imagine leaving it somewhere, but you want to find a way to protect it. And normally, if you're going to protect your phone, you want to put your ID and or license with it and a little cash. But that's literally all you want to bring with you. You want to turn off your location because you don't want police to triangulate if you're taking photos there's this really cool app that obscures faces there's actually a handful of them but i hear it's obscura cam works phenomenal and you just want to be prepared and i'm sure you're seeing video after video after video online of people who are a mix some people who are prepared some people who aren't and it, like I said, it's better to go in prepared and not have to use any of these tools and not have to do anything extreme than to go and be caught in that situation. Because right now, yes, it's been happening at night, but, or like right before dusk, well basically dusk, right before the sun goes down, but we're we're a couple days in, and knowing America's history, it's not going to be long before they just outright start 
from the very beginning of a protest. Anyway, that, that's essentially the walkthrough I've done with a lot of people, a lot of my friends. And there's a little bit more we kind of get into, and in some other cases, like they'll video chat, I don't have an iPhone, so they'll video chat via Facebook and be like, hey, is this outfit appropriate? Is this something that's going to help me? And it can be really hard, especially if you're in a hot area, just because it's freaking hot humid but once you feel prepared to go it's better um, the thing about non-violent protests aside from the fact that it does not mean an absence of violence is that every time you go out there you go out there knowing very well that there is a probability of violence you go out there knowing that and your goal is to continue to protest to continue to march in spite of that which is why it always makes me very very nervous when someone says we're gonna gather at xyz park and that's that's it that's the beginning middle and end of what their protest is gonna be and i'm like okay that's really vague um are you going to do a couple laps of the park are you going to have speeches? If so, who are you going to have talk? I've seen quite a few videos now, people getting upset because people have brought microphones out and given it to the cops to talk. And it's like, the, this protest is peaceful assembly that the police are overseeing is not police-driven, and it shouldn't be. It's people-driven. It's civilian-driven. And... Uh, in a lot of cases across the country people have kind of been giving away that that power and then later they're really shocked that oh my god why why did the cops take control of this why did it get here well you in some cases like you opened up the door for that and that doesn't excuse police behavior whatsoever i'm just saying that's something that you have to be cautious of because there are people, and specifically there are people who are cops who are going to take advantage of that. And you don't want that. Similarly, I know a lot of people are just super, super anti, don't bring your kids, don't bring your kids. If you've learned anything throughout history, kids are going to do what kids do or want to do. Um, I highly recommend, if you've never heard of the Children's March... If that's the one historical civil rights thing you learn about, go out and learn about it because it is phenomenal and it it is the only actual march that resulted in the president of the time signing a piece of paper for desegregation. Like, the children did it. Personally, I don't think under our current leadership of the country, that that's going to be helpful because he's already jailed brown children and black children across the country for months. He's already put them in our own concentration camps, so he's not going to care, which is why I don't think this is 
the right climate for kids to really be out. But if, if you are absolutely adamant about your children being out there, or your children are absolutely adamant, make sure your kids are protected. I've seen so many photos of people taking their kids in tank tops with no protective gear. And then later they're like, my child's arm got burned or something like that. And it's just like, you brought your child because they really wanted to go. And then you brought them with zero protection. Don't do that to your kids. Like, do not do that. Additionally, if you're going to do that, like, you have... It's wise to do this with adults as well, but with kids. Like, you have to make sure they understand what to do. Where to go. It's kind of like... World War Z with Brad Pitt and the kids where he had to instruct the kids on what to do during a freaking zombie apocalypse. Same situation, really. Once things go ham and all control is lost and the police don't care that your little child's there, your child needs to have some sort of instruction to fall back on. If your child doesn't, that becomes dangerous. Additionally, if your child doesn't understand how dangerous it could get, perfect opportunity to go learn about the Children's March. There's an adult film on it, but it's a documentary, and there is a children's version of that documentary. Because it is child-run, there isn't too much censorship, they just leave out certain things like honestly off the top of my head I can't really remember I know that they changed the way they talk about it a little bit for kids just because right off the bat kids aren't necessarily gonna hear the word institutionalized or systematic and understand what that means but um teach them about it have an education day before you do these things. Also, if maybe your kid's not alone, maybe your kid has friends that also want to do these things, consider doing a kid's march. I've been to plenty of them. Um, eye marches, we used to do those up in New England. They're basically eye care marches that youth and teens do. There are ways to protest without putting them in in the, I don't want to say in the crossfire, but in the path of a riot officer. You just don't want to do that. It has been about 20 minutes of me talking about this. It's just taken up a lot of my time, and obviously it's something I've been talking about nonstop for the last week, and like I ended up missing my podcast deadline because I was so focused on doing all of this, and it was kind of really sad because this week one of my plans 
for that podcast was to talk about criminalization and this is literally hand in freaking hand um but when I sat down to actually do it I realized I'd be releasing it on Blackout Thursday no Blackout Tuesday my bad yesterday and I just didn't want to do that like I felt like that would be even though it is on the topic I felt like there are other voices that should be heard than mine and then of course a lot of people ruined it with little black squares blocking out all information on IG so that was frustrating and just it makes me feel worked up but it's okay I will release it either later this week or perhaps next week. I'm just... I'm hoping change comes from this. I am praying that change comes from this, and I am hoping that George, just like Brian, that they they don't end up on the long list of people with no convictions murders with no justice I'm praying for better for them and for better going forward for other victims because at this rate it clearly appears that the cops have across the country absolutely zero accountability for any anything that's occurred um for me one of the more upsetting things that has happened is definitely um i was watching a lot of my friends in connecticut they went to a protest they had the cops kneeling with them all that and then they were talking and they were doing their grand speeches and i'm just sitting there like if memory serves me right during the Ferguson protests did they not kill one of our friends from high school on a routine traffic stop like these are the same police officers who said they found no fault even though it was recorded by a traffic camera that he did nothing wrong and here you are playing kumbaya with them while they give you zero accountability which is the other thing if you're planning a protest you need to be specific if you're gonna have a cop talk you need to talk about what accountability looks like and what they're gonna do not we hope or we're going like action verbs need to be used or else it just goes back to being ignored. And I think after over a hundred years of this bullshit, you know that's gonna be the case. So something has to change. It just has to. Otherwise, in the scope of my life, things going on. Still in school, 
Um, I had to go get my stuff out of storage recently, which has been there since me living on the streets, and that was really emotional and definitely a personal triumph, and it felt really good. But in the process, I ended up missing some really important assignments for school, so I, I'm sad because I'm definitely not going to pass with the high grade I would love to pass with, but um, I guess there always has to be a trade-off in life, so I traded my great grade for a personal moment of triumph financially and just like personal growth wise so I can live with it to be honest with you I can I kind of been trying to work on my goals I I didn't realize how much spiritual stuff I have like bringing my stuff here I've definitely accumulated quite a few nice pieces but also I happen to have already a lot of pieces like I have my grandmother's um, gazing orb now I have my incense burners back I have I have so much incense and candles like it gave me a little bit of anxiety trying to figure out what the heck am I going to do with these. And I'm still nowhere near done with my room right now. Like, it looks pretty decent on one side. And then the side where my computer, where I do all my homework, and I kind of put all my clean laundry, it's blown up to shreds. And I haven't quite gained control of that area. But it's kind of nice because in a weird way, I don't feel like my life has ever been this well put together. Like, when you come into my room, there's a very clear distinction between living space and working space, and I can genuinely say I've never had that. So it's very empowering, to say the least, you know? Um... With the stress of COVID-19 still being there and the stress of everything else going on, I have the added stress of being very, very anxious about going back to work um, due to a disagreement with one of my uh, managers. And I will tell you, this stems from a racial situation. I am scared to go back to work. I am scared because I know, like, before this happened and we went on um, quarantine slash out of work mode, like, I had a union rep and a trainer tell me straight up, this manager is looking to fire you anything and they're going to do it so like I I am so scared to go back um 
I mean, I've put in my complaints, I've put in reports, and this massive company just can't find the time to actually do anything. So it makes me scared to go back to work, but at the same time, I I came to Florida bilingual in Spanish and English, and at this point, I am actually trilingual now, falo portugués, and I'm incredibly grateful for that, you know? But um, that means, in turn, that... I have to be prepared for the possibility of losing my job. Um, the good thing is, here in Florida, if you speak Spanish and English, you typically find a job really fast. Like, it took me three days to find a job when I moved down here. Now that I'm trilingual, uh, I'm hoping that means it'll be about the same time frame to find an equally or better job. And with this massive corporation under my belt for over two years now it's like I feel like no matter what I will fall on my feet although best believe me if they fire me over over a retaliation and be a racial incident uh, there shall be legalities involved Otherwise, like I said, I feel like I'm going to fall on my feet regardless of what happens. And it's that feeling that's really pushing me to look at my other goals. Like, I'm hoping, and this sounds terrible, like, if I get fired, I'm hoping it happens at the end of August. Simply because... If it happens then, I will be done with the semester, the summer semester, and what I can do is reroute my FAFSA and go to a local community college here and still graduate within a year. <laughs> like, that is legit my goal. Like, I, I've been thinking about it and I'm like, if I can hold on this long in a year, I'm I'm gonna be somewhere different and that's kind of like it's kind of weird but that's like how I've powered through so much of my life it's having these I don't want to say clear-cut goals but more accurately like these actionable items like if I can do this I know I'm gonna be somewhere better so I'm gonna try to do it That aside, I have gained quite a bit of weight. I love to bake, so I've done a lot of that and have gained quite a bit of weight on top of having um, tested positive for cancer cells, although they can't find a point of origin and they can't find any like causation. So what that means is like typically when it comes to women and cancer cells, if you have HPV and they find it, it's like, oh, it's abnormal, but it makes sense. It'll be okay. In most cases, there are cases where it's not okay, but that's why you have your annual test. 
Um, in my case, uh, they, I don't have HPV, and as my, I've gone twice now, I've done some follow-ups, and as far as the doctor can tell, they're like, it's odd. Like, that. that's essentially what, I'm at a point where, because it's not bonded to tissue, they can't diagnose me with cancer, but it's not, not an issue, you know? So I'm kind of in limbo, and the doctor thinks some of my weight gain has definitely been that, because in general, for the last, not five years, I would say three to four years, I've definitely operated on a calorie deficient diet, because I've been in poverty, I've been homeless, like I, and I have calorie counted using a variety of different apps. Personal favorites definitely is still um, my fitness pal. But regardless, it, there's not a logical reason that I've been gaining weight. As the doctor said, if it was biologically speaking, I shouldn't have gained weight at all. If there isn't something biological going on, then like I should have logically lost weight, especially because in my job, I work outside in over 100 degrees weather plus humidity, and I essentially do between three and five miles at work. That's not counting working out at home. That's not counting coming and going from work. That's just clock in, clock out. And that's three miles is like a slow day. So during our high season for about three to four months, I do anywhere from five to ten. So it looking at the numbers and talking to a doctor about it, it's like, it's literally not making any sense. But I want to lose weight and in general, and I think honestly it plays back into the previous section of why I decided my my abilities would be best helping elsewhere with the protests is because I don't feel like I'm in a physical condition to be there. I'm, if I were to be trapped there and or if I had to run for my life, I don't see that going well for me. So something I'm going to start doing is working out. And I've been told I should challenge myself. I haven't done a formal workout like I've done ellipticals, which is the other thing that, like, the, the doctor was like, what the heck? Like, I can do hours of elliptical on high and, like, power through it. And I could talk on the phone like normal. I, I can do all sorts of things on elliptical and yet I can do all sorts of things except lose weight. It, it's odd. Um, so... What I'm going to try to be doing in the next six months to my next follow-up is working out. I am going to attempt 
the Chloe Ting shred. Um, when I say I'm going to attempt, it's because I have heard and I've watched her own reaction videos to other people doing it. Like, it's very clearly hard. It's intentionally hard. Um, so I'm going to do it at a modified pace. But I'm going to do warm-ups before each workout, and then I'm going to do cool-downs, because um, I've seen the videos, I've seen how a lot of people have gotten a lot out of it, and I feel like if I'm going to do it, and I'm feeling this way about my body, I should do it as safe as possible, so that's what I'm going to do. Otherwise, um, the other thing that they suggested is because I've been out of work for a while and at work I lift a lot of boxes, um, I do a lot of runs, um, not being at work means I haven't really been lifting things other than like a five pound bag of sugar every once in a while when I'm making. So my boyfriend went out and got me some weights and a waist trainer just because it helps when I'm doing laps. I love roller skating and um, I remember the first time I put it on I was like, eh, this is okay. And I did a couple laps on the skates, I came back and I was like, I don't really feel any different. And then I got off the skates, I pulled the Velcro and it was just sweat everywhere. I just had it on so tight that I couldn't feel the sweat <laughs> and I was just so grossed out. So gross out. Anyway, that's really all I've had to say this week. I I needed to vent. Just because it's so much. And I literally waited to midnight because I didn't want to post anything that wasn't resource information or um, anything that wasn't on topic for Black Lives Matter, like, that I was, I was serious about Blackout Tuesday. So, midnight hit, and I pressed record, because it's, it's bubbling, and I realize why journaling on paper, like, my whole life, I've always journaled, and it's been a therapeutic thing, and then, right before the worst depressive episode I've ever had in my whole life, I stopped journaling. And I kind of think that that it wasn't the only factor, but it was definitely a major factor because that's how I maintenanced. And now that I'm older and I'm realizing journaling is how I handled my mental illness, um, I'm finding it hard to get back into it. So, I mean, anybody who's been here for a really long time, you will have known that I, I rant. I have no problem ranting. It's been a weird thing where I've just developed the ability to talk, but also not a weird thing in that I don't really talk to anybody physically. I don't really have friends like that, so, um, so it gets pent up. Which, weirdly enough, 
when I stopped journaling, that was the other thing that I noticed when I was really, really depressed and I hadn't spoken to anybody in like a week. The first person that I trusted that engaged with me, oh, I had things for days to say. And I think Moonbeams and Daydreams really gives me that outlet again to just speak. And it doesn't matter if it's heard because it just, it, in general, it doesn't matter. It's things that have happened to me. It's things that I cannot change about myself. So who cares, you know? <sighs> it is now almost two o'clock in the morning for me as I'm recording this. So I am going to do my nighttime workouts and then I am going to pass out because that's the life I'm about. You have a wonderful day, wonderful evening, and just love yourself. See ya!